0: Green means go, red means stop. And a stop sign means stop and take turns. If you're entering a highway in the United States, you're gonna encounter a yield sign. Now the yield sign indicates that you must wait until you have sufficient space to get into the flow of traffic. It also indicates that you need to get to sufficient speed. You need to accelerate so that you can blend in with the traffic and not cause a disruption, not cause an accident. What begins with why? Yield. Today, we're gonna complete the series on what it means to live brightly as a city on a hill. Individuals, each committed to God, interdependently serving each other. First, our foundation, which is unseen by the world, but it represents our intimate, personal relationship with God. The foundation of B for belief, R for rest, I for identity, and G for gifts. Each personal and unique to you, for you, from God. The strong foundation you build your life on. Subsequently, the walls of your building represent your interpersonal interactions with others. First, those closest to you, and then outward in ripples of light radiating from God through you to those around you. The walls include H for honor, T for tribe, L for liberty, and finally, Y for yield. Were you once yielded to your parents or your family, your culture, your youth? Now you must be willing to yield to God. If this is the first time you've joined us, I suggest you go back to the beginning, episode one, and start with believer. Although it's not necessary, it does give you a way to start and go through those foundations first. But today, it's all about yielding, what that means, and what that looks like. Today, we will unpack and reveal what it means to live a life yielding to God. Thanks for joining me. When someone gets married, they say a series of vows. They go something like this. Will you take this person to be your wedded spouse, to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for sickness and health, to cherish? And then there's always this element of love, this commitment to one another, where you yield to the partnership. You commit to take care of each other. You commit to taking care of yourself so that you're healthy and strong. You are encouraging each other. You honor each other. You use your gifts and talents and strengths to benefit each other. You depend on each other. You communicate with each other. You have sex with each other and only each other. It's a commitment made in words to be lived in action, to have and to hold physically and emotionally, better, worse, richer, poorer, sickness, health, to love and cherish till death do you part. Well, we looked at love under liberty, and we looked at how it's patient and kind and doesn't envy or boast. It's not rude or self-seeking. It's not easily angered, keeps no record of wrong, and it doesn't delight in evil, but it trusts, it hopes, it perseveres, it never fails. That's yielding, yielding in love. You set aside your own personal desires, your own personal wishes, for the benefit of the marriage family. And a family is a husband and wife. The husband and wife start before the children, they endure through the children, and they remain after the children, or that's the plan. In marriage, you willingly give yourself to the other, no matter what. And if you're committed to be there for the other, supporting them in their needs and what they might want to do, it requires yielding. And I mentioned marriage because marriage is a yielding that kind of reflects the yielding that we do with God. Now, everyone has a unique experience that brings us to a relationship with God. Some of us are desperate and facing death and God help me. Other people are facing pressure from the world or bankruptcy, financial problems. But many of us just have this this drawing um, you're either feeling empty and isolated, or you f- feel like there's something missing in your life and you notice someone who has a relationship with God, or you remember going to church as a child and you think, you know what, maybe there's something there. Maybe I want to check that out. Uh, maybe you had a coworker who offered to pray for you and that made you think, hmm, prayer. Interesting. I hadn't thought of that for a while. When you go to church and you start to learn about God and Jesus and all the gifts that God has for you, and you decide to make a relationship with God, that starts with admitting that you're a sinner and asking him to save you, to use what He, what Jesus did on the cross to forgive your sins, and then in turn confess that you will make him Lord of your life. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart you believe, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth you confess, resulting in salvation. Whoever calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. There's this belief, which we discuss in believer, and then there is this confession. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And that is yielding. When you yield to God, when you yield your authority, your control, your power, your plans, and where you want your life to go to God, you make Jesus Lord of your life. And that seems a little. Scary and a little unnerving. But the beauty is, God is a gentleman and he's patient. And he knows that this is a process. Because as a human, as a person, we have learned to live from our flesh. We live life from experiences and what we have seen, or tasted, or smelled, the way people have treated us. The way we have learned to cope within society of a bunch of broken people, because that's what society is full of. This world is broken, people are broken, and it's not always a safe place. So, in the process of growing up and learning and developing and creating strategies to how to handle different people in different situations, we have done that from Our flesh, from our body, from our senses, our five senses, our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions. And when you live from that perspective, everyone is either a potential for gain or a potential threat. It's almost a constant battle or competition. And we can see this even in homes where there is no relationship with God and the spouses become in competition with each other instead of in unity and yielding to each other to support each other. It's, well, what about me? What about my feelings? What about my desires? What about my career? And when you build a marriage on the foundation of yielding to God and in turn yielding to each other, it becomes what's best for both of us? What's best for the family? What's best for us moving forward? Or what is destructive to us moving forward? And you yield your passions or your desires or your feelings to the betterment of the marriage. Similarly, When you yield to God, you're yielding your idea of what's best, your idea of what you should do, your idea of how you should respond to people in certain situations, to how God wants you to respond to people in certain situations. The beauty of this is that this isn't something you have to work out in the flesh. God doesn't say, do it my way. And by the way, figure it out, make it happen. No, God doesn't act that way. God doesn't want you to try and struggle to force your body to submit to these ideas and these concepts that he talks about, because it's virtually impossible. In Thessalonians, The Bible indicates and talks about that we are body, soul, and spirit. There are three parts to you. And when you get saved, in 1 Corinthians, it talks about you are a new person. Well, I don't look like a new person. Do you look like a new person? If you were fat before you got saved, you're fat after you got saved. If you were short before you got saved, you didn't automatically grow four inches and get taller. You're still short. That's because your physical body hasn't changed. What has changed is your spirit. You have a brand new spirit. Within yourself, this spirit, soul, and body, the intermediary part there is the soul. And the soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, and your conscience. How you think, how you experience, how you express what you're experiencing, either in the flesh, your body, or in the spirit, which relates to God. Now, you have lived your life from the perspective of your body because that was what you knew, what you feel, what you see. So, your soul is very much in tune with your body, your soul reacts to how your body feels. And when you become saved and you decide to yield to God, yield to Jesus and his plan for your life, you have to shift that focus from what the body feels, what the mind thinks or how the mind wants to react based on previous experience and live from that spirit side and kind of pull your soul and your body over to the spirit side. I know it's kind of hard to understand or kind of hard for me to articulate this and I'm trying to do my best. (sighs) The nice thing about the Spirit is when you accept Christ as your Savior and then you ask the Holy Spirit to come live within you and you ask Jesus to be Lord of your life, Jesus says he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And when you ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Just as you were physically baptized by water, now you're spiritually baptized. And this spiritual baptism is a way to connect you directly to God's power source. So now the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you, and the Holy Spirit can talk to your spirit, and they can interact on a level that your body cannot understand or explain which is why it's hard for me to explain it to you. But when you yield and you ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and lead you, the beauty is that's when you can lay down the work of trying to make it and force it and behave in a certain way. And you can lean into that yielding, lean into the Holy Spirit And the Holy Spirit starts to help you understand scripture better, understand who God created you to be, understand your giftings. The Holy Spirit fills you with knowledge, and that knowledge is power. Now, if you have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and unfortunately, there are a lot of churches that don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they reject it. And I'm not sure why, because it's clearly in the scriptures. This this is fundamental. If you look at belief, what you believe in, I believe scripture is the inerrant word of God. And if it's in scripture, I'm going to believe it. Because Jesus warned us about holding on to the teachings of men, the theology of men, the belief of men. And somewhere along the line, some denominations decided that the baptism of the Holy Spirit stopped or ended. And yet scripture says, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be our comforter, to be our guide, to indwell us and to empower us. He's not going to take that away once all the people who actually witnessed his life, death and resurrection died. It would severely limit the ability to live this life from a spiritual perspective, not a physical one. Now, if you don't know about the baptism of the Spirit, or maybe you don't even know Jesus and haven't accepted Jesus, it goes a little bit beyond the scope of this podcast today. But I do have a booklet available to you, and it's called Connecting to Your True Power Source. Kind of like connecting to the electric company. The body gets powered by fuel of food. What we eat, what we drink feeds, And fuels our body. The spirit gets fueled by the word of God, by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come to dwell in you. That is the connecting conduit to God. So being connected to the power of God is why I named it that book. If you go to my website, Elainecross.com forward slash Jesus, it will take you right to that page. If you want to start at Believe, go to my website, elancross.com, tap on the Living Brightly page, and it will take you through the eight Living Brightly podcasts are right there. At the bottom of that page, there's another link to get this ebook. I want you to understand this fully, and it's a little easier in that book to go through the details of how to accept Jesus, the role of the Holy Spirit, how to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and how to then find a church and get connected to your tribe. You can see where yielding connects right back to believer. You can only yield to something that you understand. And what you believe impacts how much you can trust God and how much faith that the Holy Spirit's going to fill you with. Faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Peace is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Healing is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to have those gifts. I want you to have access to the full power of God to live out this life, to yield to him, to make him Lord of your life and thereby able to shine brightly and let your light shine. Then you become the light That other people are drawn to, the salt that gives them a thirst to want to know more. And when you yield to God, your perspective changes because no longer are you looking at those around you in competition or in judgment or trying to one up. You know, is this person out to get me? Is this person really helping me? Is this person only helping me because they think they can get something from me? Do I have to pay them back because they gave me something or did something for me? Those are all physical competition perspectives. That is a flesh perspective. When you come from a spiritual perspective, it's easy to celebrate when someone else wins. It's easy to encourage when someone else is doing something that even if you would like to do it, it wasn't something you were called to do. And by them succeeding, the body of Christ can be advanced. The kingdom can advance. The spiritual perspective comes as you yield your life to God. Now, sometimes it won't change much of what you're doing. Other times it may. When Jesus called his disciples, he called them from everyday work. Notably, there were fishermen. Peter and Andrew, James and John, they were all fishermen. And Jesus called them and said, I'll make you fishermen of men. When Jesus died and was crucified and resurrected, even though Jesus had resurrected and they had seen him in the flesh, and Jesus told them, Go make disciples of all nations, tell them the good news. What did they do? They believed they had the Holy Spirit at salvation. Jesus had actually blew on them right after he was resurrected and gave them the Holy Spirit. But they didn't have the power to go share the good news. So they literally went back to fishing. And then Jesus showed up on the shore of the lake and said, hey, how was the fishing today? And he feeds them this meal. And they didn't even realize it was him until after. And then Jesus said, go back to Jerusalem and wait for the gift that I will send you. Wait for the comforter. So they went to Jerusalem and they waited and they anticipated this gift. And on the day of Pentecost, which is the holiday of Shavuot, which is the first fruits, God poured out the Holy Spirit and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. There were what appeared to be tongues of fire that landed on each of them, and they started to speak in other tongues. And from that moment on, the Word of God exploded. They didn't think about going back to fishing. Peter gave his first sermon that day, and the church grew by 3,000 people. It was this gift of the Holy Spirit, this baptism in the Holy Spirit, that gave them the power, the courage the wisdom, the words to speak, all of that to spread the gospel. So for them, they never went back to their ordinary jobs. Now, maybe you sell insurance and God has called you to sell insurance and you get filled and and baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're going to keep selling insurance. Maybe some of you will be called to do more. Maybe you'll get more involved in a 501c3 or you get involved in your church and a couple of you may be called to full-time ministry. This is all in the yielding. I can't say who or what or when, but God knows. And I know that even if he does that in your life, Peter and Andrew went back to fishing. After they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they went into full-time ministry, and they never looked back. They never lamented that they weren't fishermen anymore. They were so excited to do God's work and to let God lead them to where he wanted them to be, that they just did it. And of course, this is just the beginning. We start small steps and then God will do a little bit more and God will do a little bit more and God will do a little bit more. And this is that slow transformation Because God is a gentleman. He doesn't force you. He doesn't make you change all right away, which is why we're not in competition with each other. What God has for you, He may really convict you about a behavior. I don't know. Let's say you're a smoker and what God wants you to do with your life, He doesn't want you to be a smoker. So He'll convict you and you'll have this desire to just stop smoking. You'll stop smoking. You won't feel a craving to smoke. You'll just be relieved of that burden. For somebody else, he may never do that. And smoking's not a sin, so they're going to keep smoking the rest of their life. Because the Holy Spirit didn't say, okay, that needs to stop. It's unique for everyone. God wants to use you, who he created you to be, how he created you to be. And he wants you to step into the fullness of who that is. And living from the flesh side of things, you have been clouded and covered by things that people have told you, things that people have said about you, ways that people have treated you, and things that you have allowed yourself to believe about yourself. And through yielding to God, And listening to the Holy Spirit, God will slowly clean all that off of you. He'll break all that off of you. He will take all the lies and separate them from the truth so that you will know truly who God made you to be. And any shame, anxiety, fear, all of that God wants to take from your life. Anything that is not good, and of God, the Holy Spirit will empower to remove from your life. There is nothing more valuable than a relationship with God and the baptism of the Holy Spirit that will help you be free from anything and everything that has plagued you and held you down. It's just wonderful. God is so loving. God is so kind. And God is patient as love is patient. Love casts out all fear. Step into his love. Yield to his move. Open your hand and say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. Like the Carrie Underwood song, Jesus, take the wheel. This journey I'm on, I can't handle it. I can't lead it. I keep running into snags and running into trouble. I want to put all that aside and I want you to be in charge. I want to be co-pilot. You be pilot. That is what yielding to God is about. Although it may sound extreme, as a co-pilot, you still have things to do. It doesn't mean you sit back and do nothing and God does everything. That, oh, okay, I'll just sit at home and eat bonbons right no what it means is you allow him to lead and guide you but you he uses you he uses us he uses me to speak into other people's lives god doesn't rain manna from heaven god doesn't put money in people's bank accounts he uses people to bless people he uses people to minister to people he uses you to minister to me and he uses me to minister to you. And that is the beauty of the body of Christ. When we yield to the Holy Spirit and learn to hear his subtle voice and follow his lead, the world is, will never be the same. Thanks for joining me. Live as an individual, a lamp, together. We are a bright city on the hill that draws others to Christ. Have a great day.